0: Welcome to Testimony, a musician's story. Heard at TestimonyStories.com and narrated by myself, Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music. Let's get started. Cameron Cambino Gray was born July 6, 1979 in Columbus, Ohio, to a single mother and a Rolling Stone type of father. He grew up in both a poor neighborhood and an upper class one, knowing what it felt like to live off of food stamps and government cheese to having an in-ground pool. Cameron went from being an only child to the eldest of three sisters when his mom married his stepfather. One would think growing up in a two-parent household in an upper-class neighborhood would provide a happy childhood, but that wasn't the case for Cameron.
1: saw a lot of things. My mother was in an abusive relationship with her husband. I saw my mama get beat on, get pushed down the steps. I saw her deal with broken bones and stuff. The family saw what was happening and we got separated, so I got cut off from... My grandmother, my grandmother was like the world to me, the sweetest woman that I've ever known in my life. And we got cut off. There was like a period of, I want to say like six years. My biological father, I wasn't allowed to see him. He and I had a great relationship when I was young. I became mom's rock. She couldn't really talk to, to most of her sisters. So when she was crying, it was my shoulder that she was crying on. I was the one that was having to, you know, kind of take up for and, and make sure that everything was okay. I was the one that had to comfort my little sisters when stuff was going down in the house. Um, and then I was also the one that had to lie. It was the weirdest dynamic because I would get in trouble if I told a lie at home. But then when it came to questions like, hey, what happened to mom's arm? I was expected to say, oh, she fell down the steps. Abuse, like, that's something that I just don't deal well with. Like, any dude that puts his hands on a woman is a sucker to me.
2: Uh, trusted in my mama. Yeah mama let me down hard to trust the papa when your papa ain't around we trust the step pops and beat your mama to the ground so much drama was surrounded swear of God I thought I drowned so I taught myself to swim I know
0: it was not his biological father didn't like the household dynamic and spoke his mind about it on various occasions but because Cameron's birth certificate said father unknown due to him originally wanting Cameron's mom to abort the pregnancy their mom wasn't much he can do about the situation. Eventually, his biological father left Cameron and the situation alone. And for obvious reasons, Cameron's relationship with his stepfather wasn't the greatest.
1: He did the best that he could, I guess. He tried to, you know, teach me some things, but it's kind of hard to teach a man how to be a man sometimes when you don't really know yourself. We had some good times but at the end of the day, it wasn't a, a great relationship because my mama was my mom. When you treat my mom wrong, it's kind of hard for me to, to really respect you fully, you know, when I'm, when I'm watching what you do to her. And, and so the older that I got, I, I can't really take too much of what he says at face value because I just see he's running game. But There was a point in time where I, I really I really hated him. We would talk from now and then. I still call him dad, I consider him. I mean, he is the only father that I really know. And I've forgiven him and kind of moved on, but I wouldn't say that the relationship was was a good one.
0: His mom left to step down for a while, and then one day told Cameron that she wanted to go back to him. So, Cameron gave her an ultimatum.
1: It was either going to be him or me. And she looked me in my face. She told me that she was going to go back to him because she felt that was what was best for my little sisters. That was a tough blow for me to take.
0: Being fed up and feeling like he was old enough to make his own decisions, Cameron called his biological dad and asked him if he can live with him. His father said yes. And he spent his sophomore year of high school with the man he always wanted to get to know.
1: Then when I got there, he worked second shift. So he was always gone. I would come home from school. He'd be gone. But a lot of nights he would just go and spend the night with his girlfriend. So I pretty much like had my own house at that point. I would wake up sometimes and see like money sitting on the counter, he might leave me, you know, $50. And I would just use that and just kind of take care of myself. He would always like buy me stuff, like my clothes and stuff was right. But outside of that, we didn't really get to spend a lot of time together. that summer, right after school, I remember coming home from school and there was a note on the counter and it was either a hundred or $150 sitting on the counter. And he told me that he was going on vacation with his girlfriend and her kids, here's some money. And that was just, like, the last thing for me.
2: Uh-huh.
0: He went to stay with his aunt and later moved with his grandmother. Because he had to internalize a lot of his feelings, he had a short fuse and would fight often. He eventually became affiliated with a new family, the Crips.
1: My 14, I was smoking a lot. He had, you know, he had beer in the house, so I would drink. I was I was back in the hood, so I could actually go, as much of a baby face as I had, I could go to the corner store and still buy a 40. That money that he left on the counter before he went on vacation with his, his girlfriend and her kids, I took that and bought my first ounce, like my first ounce to really flip myself and making money that way. That dealt with a lot of girls, still smoked all the time, drank all the time, partied all the time, went to the clubs and stuff while we were in high school. I ran with a crew, a lot of people knew us, and we had a lot of fun. So, ended up getting a girl pregnant. I
2: don't mimic trends and hot songs. I feel not blended in, it's not wrong. Ain't trying to sell my soul for a record deal. Don't feel a lot of flesh, shown equal sex appeal. It's words to my daughters and my sisters, I ain't concerned that I'm sort of an enigma. Grinding for the top when the bottom's what I've been through. Guess it's time to sharpen up my pencil and make them believe.
0: He was 17 and had just been accepted to Clark University in Atlanta, Georgia, when he found out he was going to be a father. He didn't want to be an absentee father, so he stayed. But he wasn't prepared mentally or financially to take care of fatherhood responsibilities.
1: I got back into doing some illegal things in order to get us prepared. It brought in more money than than my friends who were selling crack. I'm going to say it wasn't legal. It wasn't good. It made me a lot of money. Like, I remember bringing thousands of dollars home per night and dropping it off, like, to my baby's mom, and she would put it in socks, like big tube socks. And we had tube socks just full of money. I remember I was so arrogant and so cocky. I remember, like, getting hotel rooms and... (laughs) (laughs) And just having, like, bags of weed, and my homies would just be there, and we'd be smoking. And I used to light my blunts with $100 bills. Like, just the most ridiculous, stupid stuff in the world. But, like, money didn't mean anything to me because it was coming in so fast. So as soon as I turned 18, I got us a home place. I furnished the place, moved her out of her grandmother's house, you know, and we had the whole family thing going on, and I was able to take care of stuff.
0: Now Cam was living a big boss hog life, and things looked like they were on the up and up. Until the feds entered his life.
1: They found me. They tracked me down. Uh, they said, we know what you did. So I went in. They interrogated me. They had a friend and a co-conspirator there. He told them the whole story. Like, So they, they pretty much knew when they had me. I ended up getting a, a public defender. He worked it down with the judge and whatnot to where um, I was just on probation and house arrest for a while. And once that happened, nobody could believe that I got off with that. And, you know, instead of being thankful, I took it like I was like bulletproof and started doing illegal things again because I just felt like, you know, I couldn't be stopped. And then that's when they sent the U.S. Marshals out for me. The Marshals... They called my grandmother. and I'll never forget, they, my grandmother called me crying with the U.S. Marshals, and that broke me, because grandma, like I said, that's my soft spot, that was my heart. Tell him I'll come turn myself in. I was expecting to do a couple years, a few years, and he actually just put me in a halfway house. And once I got out from the halfway house, I went back and I was there with my baby's mother, and I actually got a job, and I started working a nine-to-five and, and tried to kind of straighten myself up as much as I possibly could. That didn't last very long, because the nine-to-five wasn't making enough money and I had a lot of kids to take care of, and me and my baby's mom weren't getting along, so uh, that relationship kind of ended up you know, going by the wayside, I had to get my own place. So while I had my own place, I still had to take care of stuff over there because she didn't work. I ended up getting back into the drug game again.
2: Pressured his bones cracked. and built for felonious activities. That nine to five
0: gig was just a simple data entry job for a transportation company. And Cam was all about making money and filling himself. But soon, all that would come to a halt.
1: My cousin and my homeboy, we went to this party, and I had had brought a substantial amount of weed with me because I knew I was going to make money at the party. So we're at the party kicking it, smoking, drinking, all this kind of thing. They had strippers, all that kind of stuff. I I remember it well. Um, And then after I was leaving, I remember dapping my homie up, and he told me to be safe. And, you know, in, in typical cam form, i was like, be saying, well, I like, Man, this is what I do. I'm hitting the blood and then I ended up wrecking in my truck. I started coughing, started across this busy street, it's Broad Street here in Columbus, a real big street. And then I, it was like, you know, two o'clock in the morning, something like that. I swerved left and I swerved right. And then I ended up hitting a tree. Total my truck. I never wore my seatbelt, cause I hate seatbelts. I broke my nose my cousin almost went into the windshield. Like the, it, was, it was just a bad situation. And then I, I kid you not, within like three minutes, the cops was on the scene. And I'm walking out of my truck, you know, trying to get away, I walk away, because I know I got I know I know in the truck. I'm on probation. Um, you know, I've been before this judge twice. So I'm thinking, like, it's all bad. I'm trying to walk away. They pull up on the scene with their guns drawn, throw me face down, cuff me, and put me in the back of the cruiser. And at that point, I just knew, like, it was a wrap. And I remember just sitting up, like, all right, God, I'm like, that's it for me. Uh, they came back to the car and said, all right. We're going to drive you to the station and let you go. And none of that made any sense to me. That night, my cousin rededicated his life. He turned on TVN and rededicated his life and started living right from, from then on. And me, it, it got me thinking. Because I knew about God. I knew who God was. I had a Christian upbringing, quote-unquote. It's kind of hard to really believe, fully believe, in a God when I'm watching my mom get beat. So this is how Christians are supposed to act, like, for real. And then, like, even, even further on, like, once I was reunited with some of my family, you know, I, I wasn't the clean cut, do everything by the book. I was the black sheep, and they looked at me funny and didn't, like, embrace me. I didn't hear, like, you know, I love you, I'm praying for you. I kind of got to keep the kids away from Cam type of things. because I don't want them to be a bad influence. And so just seeing some of that stuff and just having questions, like, man, if y'all knew what was going on, then why didn't y'all try to come rescue me? Like, it just didn't sit well. So I heard about him, and even though I knew about it to an extent, you know, when, when people carry the, the, the tag Christian and what they walk out doesn't live up to that. It kind of makes you question God if you don't really know him for yourself. And I got a Bible and I just started reading it. And I would literally sit with my Bible. I would roll a blunt, start smoking a blunt, and start reading the Bible at the same time. And as I'm reading it, I'm starting to see things. And I'm like, man, what does that mean? And, And the Holy Spirit started revealing stuff to me. I wasn't even going to church. It was just me, God, and a Bible, and me asking questions out loud. And he started to show stuff to me. And the more that I spent, the more time that I spent doing that, the less attractive other things got.
2: But that ain't my signature About to take it high as all the prayers I be sending up Rise like the temperature Anytime I enter a uh, room Because his presence straight consumes me when I minister Cats be looking at me like your cameras on some different stuff Model chicks be tripping now, like why isn't he into us Every earthly plan I had I let my father interrupt He got my future so bright, Need to tip my windows up
0: while on the subject of blunts in the Bible, Cam spoke about whether or not someone could truly be saved and still do worldly things.
1: I think that we all have struggles. You know, for, for some people it may be smoking weed, be fornicating, getting drunk, or lie. We all have struggles and we're in different places in our lives. Do I believe that you can have given your life to Christ and still smoke? Absolutely. Because, you know, I've seen it happen, it, it it may take time to renew your mind, it may take time for Him to strip away those desires fully or for you to put them down. I think God's grace is a lot bigger than a lot of us give Him credit for, and He's patient with us. I mean, He called David a man after his own heart. David was a man who had thousands of wives, thousands of concubines, who was a murderer, who was a liar who did a lot of things while he was walking with God and talking with God. What my prayer is, is that people aren't so quick to be judgmental on if or if not somebody is saved, but then they just pray for them. Like, all right, God, well, you know, I pray that you just have your hand on them. And I pray, God, that you just continue to show him or them who you are and strip away the things that they don't need and the things that hurt you. You know, let them know that and let them, you know, let them get closer to you. Because the closer that you get to God, the more that stuff falls off.
0: Cameron comes from a musical family and started rapping at the age of 12. When he was a crip, he was part of a rap group that was well-known around the city. And then he just stopped flowing and focused on making money. During his transition period of smoke and of Bible reading, one of his cousins helped him to rediscover his passion for music.
1: A lot of people don't know, but Kristen Gray, that's my baby cousin. And so he had started rapping with his group, The Elevation. It's him, his brother Taylor, and their friend BJ. So they were doing some stuff, and I remember they invited me to come to a show. or So I went, and I checked it out. I was sat in the back. I was high. And I was listening to him, I was like, all right, they're all right. You know what I mean? They, they're, they're not bad. And so as I was starting my transition, you know, I would come over his house and I would listen to some of the music they were working on and whatnot. And I remember me and Chris had a, a freestyle rap conversation with a beat going in the background that he had made. It had to be a half hour, 45 minutes long. And we were just talking back and forth about life. And he was kind of witnessing to me at the time. And I was kind of telling him, yeah, I understand that, but this is where I'm at right now. And after that, something kind of sparked in me again. I was like, man, I still got that. And so I started writing stuff. I remember thinking like, all right, well, I still, I've got this gift. And I just felt led to start to start using it. And then later on, you got kind of showed me like, nah, you're going to use this more than you ever knew. Yo, Cam,
2: you really killing this mixtape, uh-huh. cousin. Are you ready to come back on this track with these awesome lyrics, Shardy? I ain't ready I'm yet. Right. Yes, sir, it is uh-huh. what it is, the decision mixtape. My cousin Cam yeah. Bino, I mean, literally destroyed uh-huh. this thing. Get back to this track. Yes, sir no honor in my hometown scattered abroad though real recognized real not rather the frauds got my head shaking what's the matter with y'all hair standing
0: on my neck i think i detect- cambino and his cousins formed a group 4k he found his home church columbus christian center and signed with their record label in 2007 he put out a solo mixtape the preface in 2008 he got married and had a son and daughter Five kids total between his wife and his baby mama. I
2: love I to hear he
0: signed with Slingshot, and in 2010, he released his debut album, Reach. Real Life is one of the most impactful songs that he has released to date.
2: Let's go, baby Still get your left, so I'm rolling to the right Lickin' stubborn every day, gotta hold on to the light Get a battle, is in line Still I know I gotta fight Cause flesh has gotta die if I'm
1: But I really felt like it was a story that people could relate to, that people would be able to to gain something from. And so real life just kind of talked about, you know, everything in the situation where my wife was pregnant with our son and she was having complications, so, you know, the doctor said that we weren't able to be intimate. That was rough, because at that very same time at the job, there was a, a young lady who made it perfectly clear that... You know, she wanted she wanted some things to go down. And so I was dealing with that and it was a battle that I couldn't even talk to my wife about at that point. Like I wrote Real Life while I was going through it and coming out of it and I never let my wife hear that song. That was the last song that she heard from my album. And she didn't hear it until after my son was born because I didn't want her to know that I was dealing with that at that time because I knew where she was. Mentally, she was already concerned with, you know, is the, is the baby going to be okay? Is she going to be okay? And I didn't want to add anything else to it. So I was dealing with that internally. And then I also had some brothers that I reached out to, like in my inner circle, like, yo, y'all got to pray for me because I'm tripping. And I'm dealing with it right now. And if y'all don't help me, something bad is about to happen. I just know. Um, so thankfully, they were there to, you know, to be there to hold me accountable, to, to pray with me, pray for me, and got me through that situation. And then I was finally able to share with her what happened. And I let her hear the song for the first time and she cried. Well, I remember her you know, just talking to some of my friends, just telling them how thankful that she was that they were in my life to be there for me in that period.
0: He left his label, Slingshot, and has been independent ever since. In 2011, he put out The Decision Mixtape, where he let his true colors fly and got some scrutiny for being so honest, and some might say vulgar because of his use of the N-word. But he made a name for himself and Rapzilla named him the Freshman of 2011. Then, he just disappeared. And on July 9th, 2013, he reappeared with the album, Independence, which has a mature advisory content warning on it. Cambino discussed why he started the album with the track, Awkward Silence.
2: Uh, so sorry to keep you waiting on. Your second hit, ain't think that it would take this long, an emotional deficit, coupled with some financial woes, like Job, and tried to wreck him quick, cried out to God with no response, he decided to let him sit, in silence, she was test of faith, enemy whispering in my ear, let me suggest you faint, grew wary with doing well, man to keep it gutter, had some statements back to cross my lips, no faithful sheep should utter, like
1: I wanted to tell people why I had been silent for so long. And really, it just happened to be that I had gotten tucked away and had to to work on some things internally. So there was a period of time where I wasn't doing anything. Like I wasn't on Facebook, which is definitely a no-no for an artist, especially one who hadn't had a project in a while. But God sat me down. I wasn't answering my phone, so I wasn't talking to friends. It was literally like sometimes hours and hours of being alone in my room, and it was just me and God me reading the word, me worshiping, praying, you know what I mean? And getting close to him, really spending time with him. Him taking out a lot of old thoughts, mindsets, and stuff, and just getting me prepared for where he was about to take me and really freeing me from a lot of stuff. Chucking is just kind of declaring independence from the way that the world sees things and does some things. This life, yeah. Go ahead and love it. You hear 'em screaming YOLO. Falling on the budget. On the budget. The up and down and yo yo. I want
2: it. no part of it. Put your fingers in the air. Do do dooses. I be chucking. Do do dooses. I
1: be chucking. Do do dooses. I be chucking. I'm gone. You know, y'all do what y'all do, but I'm I'm saying I'm gone to that. You know that I, I'm thinking differently.
2: If we look at the proverbial crabs in a barrel, uh, the crabs are trying to get up. Uh-huh. but another crab is pulling the crab down I Felt pinches from the crabs on my coattails Felt wind from the jabs trying to slow sails Duck them, I got a mean by weave game Cause stuffed in with counter punches, try to reframe Vanish point a little different, we don't see same. I agree to disagree, keep the peace, man But they'd rather keep a tugging on my London fog Until I draw without a pencil at the peace, bang
0: so, what was the inspiration behind the song Crabs?
1: I listen to a beat, and I believe like the beat will tell you what you should say to it, and it'll also kind of give you—it's uh, like a canvas. It'll—it'll it'll almost tell you like how you should even rap to it, or give you different—you know—options on how you can ride it. So, as soon as I heard the sample of Crabs and what the, what the dude was saying in the beginning, I was like, oh, I was hooked. And that song got written in like probably a couple hours and it just poured out. And, and really, Krabs is just talking about, you can be nice to a certain extent and say, hey, you know, kind of leave me alone, you know, I'm, I'm doing my thing, I'm not doing that anymore, et cetera, et cetera and then sometimes you have to take a stance where you know that doesn't work so there are a lot of people who will try to hold you back there are a lot of people who will try to hold you in a box whether it be people who knew you the old you and they want to hold you to those standards like well you used to do this now you're being fake or you know like i get a lot of questions about my music how can you talk about some of these topics why don't you say jesus enough why aren't you preaching the gospel and your music and sometimes you just got to say all right let's back up off me or else you're never going to be able to climb to the top you really got to smash some of those old mindset, people's opinions, in order to, to keep moving and, and, and keep pushing towards the level that God is trying to call you uh, to. This is kind of me declaring my independence, like, y'all are not going to hold me back. I'm no longer being held to your standards, period, because I don't have to please you at all. At the end of the day, I'm going to do what what God told me to do, and I'm going to do it in the way that he wants me to do it. And whether you understand it or not, that doesn't really matter to me, so back and forth.
2: keep me in the box, label me a wrist, try keep me under watch, cuff me, they should've labeled me a wrist, what's a bunch of pointed fingers to a fist, I'ma smash on these crabs, I'ma smash on these crabs, man.
0: In winter flow, he's joined by his cousin Kristen Gray.
2: Ask me why I do it. I do it. For a while, man, I didn't know. know. People telling me I'm how to see Let me hit him with that winter flow. Ask
1: me what I spit it for. So when I heard it, the hook came to me first. I kind of started just talking about why I do what I do. People don't know this. Chris and I have talked about this for years. We're going to do an album. And that beat just fit our style. Like, it was a beat that I knew he would love. As soon as I heard it, I would have chosen for our album. I called him, and I said, man, I got a track. You know, I didn't have him on the album for anything. And I, I was like, I got a track. He like, oh, cool. You want me to sing the hook? I was like, absolutely not. I said, I want you to spit. Because I'm tired of people calling you up and only letting you do hooks. On their songs, because you're an animal I wanted him to be able to just get on and just and just release whatever he wanted to release
2: yeah, I'm praying at daybreak for Kanye, Beyonce, Sean, Wayne, Drake, and Andre For monkeys trying to mimic the industry, King Kong yeah. It's hieroglyphics, read the writing on the wall yeah. So when they ask me why I do it, do it uh. Tell them I can't do it, can't do it uh. The flow is living water, yeah Simply to condo
0: it. With the song Promise Unkept, he discusses a hot topic that is near and dear to his heart.
1: Senator, do you believe personally that life begins at conception? I believe that the potential for life begins at conception. You know, I, I um, th- this is something that I had not, uh, I think, come to a firm resolution on. Uh, I think it's very hard to know what that means. Uh,
2: they'll say that I'm a prodigy, probably. Concocting kills with viruses. By the time I hit 19, form a global conglomerate, like nothing your have seen. And that's just the beginning of my dream. Uh I find a crap that you can harvest out of desert sand. The word impossible to me means yet to understand how to. Now to figure it out, what I'm out to do. Given some time the human mind will astound you, true?
1: The whole abortion, you know, issue, you know, when does life really begin? Is it at conception? Once the baby is actually born, it takes its first breath, you know, a certain number of weeks, like what is life and where does it really start? Even the potential for life has life in it. You know, you never know what someone or something is going to be if you don't let that thing, you know, at least have a chance at it. I kind of approached it where like the first verse, I'm talking about, you know, a baby who was inside of the womb. And it's like, you know, this is what I'm going to be. This is what's on the inside of me. You know, let me get out and show the world what I have. And then the second verse is talking about, it's a baby who says what I was supposed to do and because I didn't have a chance to breathe because you decided that you had the choice whether or not I lived or died and you made that decision for me, the promise that was inside of me went unkept. I wasn't able to show the world the things that I had on the inside of me. And as a result, this happened. And then the third verse just talked about me. There were people who didn't want me to make it. My mom was faced with the decision of whether or not she was going to have me. And because she decided to go ahead and have me and give me a chance, I just think about you know all the lives and things that have been impacted uh, because of what I've done. And I'm just thankful. I actually gave that record to my mother on Mother's Day and let her hear it. And she just she just cried and, and just told me how much she loved it and how proud she was of me and how thankful she was that she made that decision too. You know, I just want to encourage people and let them know, like, no matter where you are right now, if you're not in the best situation to be able to take care of a child and you don't know how you're going to make it or whatever, if you just honor God and allow that life to come forth, he will make a way. And you'll be thankful that you made that decision. Uh. Welcome
2: to my battleground Where nightmares, memories, daydreams have sat around Telling stories, couple 40s getting past the Place Placing bets on which one would be the last to clown Had a last laugh, yeah The paths crossed to form something anti-abstract A crash course Let me slow it down before we fast forward Get an explanation that you need before you ask for it
0: Cambino doesn't consider himself a Christian rapper But instead, a Christian who raps And when listening to the album, Independence, he wants the listener to walk away knowing that.
1: Independence is the ultimate goal. Like the Bible says, that he who the son sets free is free indeed. And you're never going to get free until you really spend some time with him. And that's outside of you getting your sermon during the week on a Sunday or, you know, whenever you go, looking over the notes, taking good notes, and the rest of the time, you're not really spending any time with him. I mean, like, really getting alone with God, spending some time with Him and letting Him show you things and letting Him break down some of the incorrect ways of thinking that you have actions that you may be caught up in and, and, you know, habits and things that you're, you're still dealing with, letting Him get you free from that stuff and really being able to experience what liberty is and walking with Him and seeing what that feels like because it's just such a wonderful feeling to be free and to be confident and know who you are, who God made you why he made you the way that he made you and being able to act in that and being able to walk in that versus being in bondage. I think a lot of people walk sometimes out of being in bondage to, you know, sin and then walk into being in bondage of religion and people's mindsets and people's opinions and things like that that are, that are you know, portrayed over the pulpit. And I just want people, regardless of what they're in, to really seek God because he is the giver of freedom and, and that's the only way that you're going to get it.
0: Thank you for listening to Testimony, A Musician's Story. This has been a Brown Theory production and an 83 Media production. To hear this episode again, as well as past episodes, visit TestimonyStories.com. Until next time, I'm Brown Theory, the music lover constantly seeking positive music.